When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. All right, it's Film Study with Ken McCusick, but the Ravens didn't play this past weekend. It is the bye week. It is week 10 in the NFL. It is the bye week, which means it's time for a special edition of Film Study with Ken McCusick. 
So let's get on Ken McCusick and do our bi-week roster evaluations. Ken, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm I'm loving this bi-week because I'm out on a cruise in uh, the Bahamas right now. Glad you could join us via Skype. Yeah, this Skype sounds exactly like I'm home <laughs> recording it a week previous. And it's good that you must have used that green board or whatever to put the background of your basement in there too. Yeah, I was just really happy that by accident, I booked my vacation during the bye week. Makes things a whole lot easier. <laughs> so, all right. Hope so, you enjoy that cruise. I, I, I'm, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I am having a great time while you are listening to this on your car ride uh, to work or wherever you're listening to this. No, podcast. don't rub it in. You're on a cruise. Somebody else is going to I'm work. Not just... I had a really rough week before going on the cruise. All right. Um, just sounds like you're kind of being a dick to all those people who have to go to work. Well, just think about what your uh, <laughs> what your losing Ravens are doing, spending their bye week. I'm telling you, it's, it's not all practice. <laughs> all right. So, all right, but but we've been this bye week came at, came at a great time, you would think, because it's it's halfway through the season. It's a it's we're, we it's not too early, it's not too late. It's a great time where we can sit back and evaluate this team, which is a team that. We're really going to have to break it down by player because as a whole, it's really hard to judge this team. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to know what they're about. Dramatically up and down every week. Uh, certainly on the defense, there's more positive things to talk to than there have been on the, the about the offense so far, but still a very mixed bag on both sides. Right. So we're breaking this down into two podcasts. The first one comes out Monday night, Tuesday morning which is what we're doing right now where we're going to talk about the defense and then Wednesday night, Thursday morning for your commute, we'll have you all set to go through the same process with the offense. So Ken, if you could, let's start with just an introductory of the five categories. Okay. So uh, we've done this before, but we break the roster down into five categories. We mentioned it on last week's podcast as well, but the five categories are this young producers. So those are people on their rookie contracts who are performing usually at a starter level and playing pretty well. And they don't have to be playing at an all-pro level, but they have to be playing pretty well. Now, those players are the most important players on your team because they're the way you beat the salary cap. Those guys who are playing on rookie deals and, and giving you extra value. Right. That was next, like, Last year, that was a Tavon Young was exciting. Guy Tavon Young was, was, would be exactly the kind of guy who would have been in that category. Um, the next category down is the developmental group. Now, those are guys who are still on their rookie deals and you hope can become young producers. But for one reason or another, they're not quite there yet. We're going to focus on that group a little more and, and talk about why some of the guys who are fairly close, particularly on the defense, just aren't quite there yet. In oh, terms okay. Of, oh, like, my, like my guy Bowser. Yeah, for example, that's an excellent one. So, uh, we'll talk about the third group, which is veterans playing for market value. So one of the problems with having players who have been in the league at least five years is that they've already been eligible for free agency uh, unless they're a first-round pick, in which case they're playing for an escalated salary in year five. So they're already effectively playing for market value, and those guys are very expensive, and you really have to be careful about who you sign to contracts at that level and make sure that those guys you sign to cornerstone contracts are the real guys who are performing. So we'll talk about that group and who's, who's so that, playing up to their market value. So that's your foundation. Right there. Your, your foundation players. So Brandon Williams goes in that group, for example. It just gave him a big contract, and he's been worth every dollar so far paid to him. Okay. 
All right. The next group is the scary group. It's the veterans who are cap value concerns. And we'll talk about who's in that group a little later. But those are guys not playing up to their larger contracts. Right. Older guys, generally. Generally speaking, it would be older guys, but you could have a fall off at any point. So presumably, even in your fifth season, if you were immediately failing to provide on your on your uh, your contract, you'd have a problem. And then the last group are our group I call the transitional group, and that's generally a fairly generous name for that. But these are guys with no obvious future in the NFL, no <laughs> real chance to move up to a higher group. Uh, sometimes they're older players who don't make a lot of money, but they're but they also aren't necessarily going to be with the team for any great length of time so you're, you're you're so nice with that title transitional yeah i would have titled that guys who could be cut at any moment well yeah they're, they're transitioning to a lazy boy <laughs> exactly yes. out of the nfl <laughs> yeah so that's in a lot of cases that's exactly what's happening and some of them will make it in one year and, and others it will take a couple of years to get out but uh, but most of them are headed out okay well i know i i know one wide receiver that's going in that category when we talk about the <laughs> offense all righty. Um, all right. Well, let's get started, and let's go with the young producers and, okay, and get we, with the we, young guys that we can be excited about. Okay, so the guys we're excited about are, are pretty good. There's five names on defense, and that's pretty good that you have five players in this category. But uh, the, the obvious ones are Tavon Young and Matthew Judon, who are both playing at a good level, as well as Michael Pierce. All second-year players, which is terrific. Now, Tavon's gone for the year, of course, right. but when he, when he comes back, he certainly is back in that group in his third year. We certainly hope he'll be producer producing and project him as a producer. Uh, one of the nice things is that the Ravens have some have some backup depth at slot corner now should uh, Tavon not be able to produce. So, but I'm confident that, that Tavon is the guy. And uh, Yeah, he and showed really good stuff last year, so you would assume he's going to build on that. Mm-hmm. They have another second-year player, Willie Henry who has come on and played a ton of snaps, had not even played a single NFL snap in his entire first season or in the first two weeks of this year when he was inactive. But when he started playing, he was immediately the Ravens' best pass rusher on the defensive line and has been playing as the at the Jernigan spot where he's the key defensive line pass rush specialist. It's a very important job. And he's a guy who can beat double teams some. And when he hasn't beaten double teams, he's often been able to elevate and get a pass blocked. So uh, he's had a good year so far. And he's, he's the one guy who's elevated himself above those other uh, early year defensive linemen. So what, he, what took him so long to, to get up in, into games? Is it, just, is it waiting for the guys ahead of you, waiting for room? Or is it he, that he wasn't developing as fast? I couldn't really tell you why he didn't ever get activated for any defensive snaps last year. I'm trying to remember. If, I think he might have been activated for a game and didn't play. No, that wouldn't happen on the defensive line. He wasn't activated. And then he eventually went on IR. So uh, he, there are five guys who got every single defensive line snap last year. And that was the real problem is that mm-hmm. the five guys were good. And even Brett Urban, who's been excellent this year when he when he played, um, was not. Uh, uh, he only played 72 snaps last year. Right, so, so it gives you an no idea need, of quality. No need for him, which allowed him more time to develop, which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's, it was a year spent in the weight room, less wear and tear in the body, probably, although he still had to practice. So uh, it's very exciting that the fifth guy, Marlon, Mar- Marlon Humphrey, is a rookie who's already played 35% of the snaps. He looks like he should be starting at cornerback, and it's a damn good thing that he's available because Jimmy Smith had the nagging Achilles injury. So he's going to be ready to take a starting role, I imagine, next year. Uh, and this year he's, an, he's, he's a very good corner in, as a rookie. But what I like most about this group is 
the, the, the most advanced age of any player here at age, I shouldn't say, the most advanced uh, time in the league, time of service, two years. Every one of these guys, Humphrey's a rookie. The other four guys are second-year players. So very exciting young group of defensive talent that the Ravens have. And there is still more yeah, and, in the and developmental category. In the NFL, how long is that rookie deal? It's five years? Four, four years. Four years. And, right. and draft picks are assigned for four years. On your non-drafted players like a Pierce, you, you get them for three years, but then you get a fourth year where you have to tender them. And so it's really still four years of okay. team control. Great. So either way, they either way they, it's um, another two years of these guys is, of the oldest. Uh, yes, of the oldest. That's right. So very excited about that, and uh, and certainly something to look forward to. All right, um, let's move on to the developmental guys, the guys we're hoping to see a little bit more of, I guess. Yeah. So these are guys who are still on their rookie contract, every single one of them, and the defense is blessed to have a total of eleven of these guys. Um, but that for one reason or another, they have not quite made the young producer category. And when you think about it, you've only got 11 starting positions. So it would be a little weird if you had nine guys who were young producers. That It wouldn't be bad. It would be great. It would allow you to spend a lot of money on your offense. But, but it would be a little weird if you were in that position. And, uh, and of course, like, like any team, the Ravens have some veterans on defense, and, and they uh, don't have uh, all these developmental guys have not yet proved themselves. So we're going to go through them one at a time. And the first I'm going to start out with is your favorite player, Tyus Bowser, the second-round right. draft pick. Right. So we know he won the Defensive Rookie of the Week in Week 2. Right. If I had done it right then, I'd have tagged Bowser with a young producer's tag right then. I'd say, you know, I'd project great things for him for the rest of the year. Uh, he's been a victim of a couple things. Like first, the he said, He's in the doghouse. And the other thing is that Matt Judon, the other Sam linebacker, is having a, a terrific year. So um, it's 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 a shame for him that he's not getting more playing time, but his snaps have just been been way down. He's only played 52 snaps in the last seven weeks. That's seven, 7.4 snaps per game during that time. And he's had opportunity because Tim Williams has been sidelined for the last four weeks with a thigh injury. So he should have had some additional opportunities. But it's been various boneheaded things which have cost him. The last one came this last week when he was had illegal formation penalty. The tight, that negated a 56-yard punt. Then Cook kicked it 19 yards, which is a, or whatever it was. It was a short punt. Set him up at the 26. It might have been 19 yards. But anyway, everybody's blaming Bowser for that, of course. And, right. Uh, and uh, it was a boneheaded play, and it's just something that uh, you know he really needs to eliminate. Okay, um, but th- he's young. That's something that that's why it's developmental because you're expecting them to grow and and get better, improve. Yeah, rookie player, so still plenty of time with him, and he's a second round draft pick. He'll get additional opportunities certainly. All right, uh, Maurice Kennedy. We just got to see him play this past week for the first time. That's right. So his first nine NFL snaps, I thought he played very well. We discussed that on the defensive side. Uh, he allowed that game ceiling touchdown pass, but it was on a play that the, the pass rush really let the team down in terms of allowing that to develop uh, too long. So I, I don't blame him for it. I blame the, uh, uh, the way the play played out at the, at the, uh, on the line and not get some pressure on him. All right. Um, I'm looking through the list of developmental players, and I do not know who Chuck Clark is. 
Okay, well, Chuck Clark is a safety they drafted in the sixth round. So he's he, he's not close to being put in the producer category because he only occasionally plays a defensive snap, and he's played a few this year. One, he replaced Levine when Levine had a back problem in the dime. He came in for another couple of series to play on the back end. So I want to play say he's played about eight snaps this year, which I could check for you, but I'm not going to. Um, anyway, he he was he was been. Just on the field a little bit, but he's a core special teams player. He's in there for almost every special team snap, not on the field goal team, but on the other on the other units. And by the way he was drafted, I'm kind of guessing that Ozzy sees him as the Ravens' dime of the future. So Levine can't play forever, and Clark is the most natural guy to move into that role. He might also play on the back end. He may be that guy. But it seems to me more based on where he was drafted and whatnot as a developmental, more physical safety. That he's more likely to play in the box and be the dime safety uh, when Levine is done with that role. All right, um, let's continue with Carl Davis, who has he's done some good stuff. Yeah, he has. Um, he's he's on the border right now. Uh, he's been activated the nine weeks, but if you look at it, he's only played two thirds as many snaps as Willie Henry. And the reason is that he really doesn't contribute much to the pass rush. So he's done some good things. He does he does a decent amount of, of run stopping. He's had some Oklahoma tackles that I've liked. So he needs to step up in some way. He either needs to be a very key member of the of the run stopping unit, which means he's interchangeable with Pierce and Williams. And when they get injured, there's not a big drop off in play, which there has been. Or he needs to, and probably and, he needs to do something more in terms of generating pass rush pressure. Now, he had a half sack this last week that was effectively a cleanup sack on when the left guard tripped the, the quarterback for the Titans. But uh, that's not what I'm talking about in terms of pressure. He needs to either elevate the line of scrimmage, be able to uh, beat some single blocks, or even split some double teams and get some shoulders turned. He needs to do something like that to key the pass rush off him to make him make himself more valuable. All right. Um, another guy who hasn't played much, and I at least haven't seen him in a few weeks, is Jalen Hill. So Jalen Hill had eight snaps against the Vikings in his in his NFL debut. That was in in the second half, primarily against the Vikings, and he he took over the uh, the role. It was nine snaps, including a penalty. So he played nine of the last eighteen snaps at slot corner in that game, and I kind of thought he'd won the role from Webb, and in fact. Since then, they had Webb play it for a game, and Hill didn't play at all. And then the next week, Kennedy all of a sudden has got the the dime roll with Webb sitting. So he, Webb played only four snaps in the game. So it's a little surprising that, that Hill did not get a bigger chance than he was. But he's a prototype in terms of slot corner size. He still has impressive ball skills that we've seen in the preseason, I think, he will probably get a chance somewhere due to injury. My guess is he'll be the back slot, back up at slot corner next year. So if there's anything lingering about uh, Tavon's injury, he might be the guy the Ravens go to. And I really expect that Kennedy is going to return to outside corner next year. Um, it gives the Ravens some flexibility because they, they, they can get rid of Brandon Carr's contract if they want to. And he hasn't played badly. Carr's played pretty well. But at $6 million, when you have cheaper options, you tend to want to go for that. All right. Uh, so far, you've been pretty positive about these developmental players. Um, it's, next, you got Kafusi. Is he in the doghouse? Yeah, I, we've talked about that a little bit on the defense things, but he is in the doghouse. Two straight five-snap efforts uh, when he was last activated, Chicago and Minnesota, and he's been singled out by Harbaugh for this lack of physicality that we talked about. He really ought to be further along in year two. He lost his entire first year to injury. 
um, really needed to, to take a little more time in the weight room and, and, and be a little bit bigger in terms of where he is. But that lack of physicality has hurt him, and I hope that this offseason, you know, healthy, completely healthy, he's going to be able to do more in terms of building up his body and, and be the physical specimen that can replace Brent Urban at some point. All right. Um, how about Oswazer? Okay. You, you, like my, you like my pronunciation? <laughs> well, I, I, when I say it to Maureen, because I want to, I want her to spell it correctly when we're when we're studying our, our score sheets. I say Anwuasor, so she spells it out correctly, phonetically here. But it's it's Awasu. Awasu. That is not how you spell Awasu. I'll help him, <laughs> I will help him out with that later. Awasu. Well, you, you ought to write him an email or this Twitter now, so you can tell him that. Yep. And, and you can use up to 280 characters on Twitter to explain it to him and give him the full oh, phonetic it's spelling. It's not going to take that he... long. It's going to take about five, <laughs> six words to show you how okay. to spell Awasu. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, he finally secured the will roll a few weeks ago uh, when he beat out Correa for the job. That was in week five at Oakland. And, and he played one pretty good game there. Uh, that was a real disaster for Correa in terms of winning the job, but it was really not that glowing an endorsement of Owasu to beat out Correa for the job. And he's been up and down in terms of his ability. Honestly, he's contributed very little to the past since the week one deflection that was intercepted by Carr. And I guess the position to me is still in transition. The Ravens, I think, will draft an inside linebacker uh, in the next year's draft. And I don't see them avoiding that position, even though they have other needs. So whether it's, a, it won't be a first round guy, but if it's a second, third or fourth round guy, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they spent a fairly high pick on a on an inside linebacker. All right, now next is Darius Smith. Isn't he too old to be in the development category? You know, he's he's been in year three, so he's running out of option value. You're right about that. And, you know, it's not really in his case that he's been hurt. He's a healthy scratch at points in year two. His first year, he looked like he was an ascending player with five and a half sacks, and then he turned in a one-sack year his second year. So not what you'd hope for. He he came to camp a different guy, you know, always a physical specimen even from year one, but in his third year looked even bigger and badder. Some of his problems on the field have been not just that he's not getting enough sacks, it's it's that he or or pressures in general. It's that he does some stupid things. He's had four roughing the passer flags in the last fifteen games. He doesn't do that well enough to avoid stupid penalties, and he also has not played the run well enough to go with that. So he's got to do more. Um, the Ravens have to hope that his fourth year and the rest of his third year, for that matter are at a very high level. So if he leaves here after four years, he'll at least uh, draw a compensatory draft pick. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if the listener has figured this out yet or not, but I'm just going through these in alphabetical order to make it nice and simple, (laughs) which means we got two guys left. So let's go to uh, Timmy Williams. Okay, so Timmy Williams. So he's generated some pressure when he's active, uh, but he's only played 57 snaps the entire season. And he's missed the last... Uh, it's four games or five games with an, with a thigh injury, so he needs to be full time and affect to be effect to be an effective situational pass rusher if he's going to move up into the producer group, and that's something that uh, so far he hasn't been uh, uniform in terms of ability. A lot of that's due to playing time. I think if he played a little more, but not too much. So I'm saying I. I, I my sweet spot for him would be like between 18 and 22 snaps a game. So he's very fresh for his um, high motor pass rush plays where the Ravens really need him. 
So you don't want it to be like uh, Chris Wormley, who played 51 snaps against Chicago, and then not so many since then. That's that's right. So Wormley had a highly concentrated snap load in that Chicago game. That was the one where I think it was Carl Davis went down in that game early. Ravens seem to have a lot of that going on, that they have a one defensive lineman go down early, and then they're left with four defensive linemen for the for the game. So right. uh, anyway, that, that, that game, uh, Ricard even had to play 20 snaps, as I recall, recall, against Chicago. So Wormley played 51, and he's provided a little pressure as a pass rusher. That's probably been the better part of his game so far but not nearly enough to be elevated to the producer group. He's a rookie. It's good that he got on the field for 111 snaps in some cases because Willie Henry spent the entire season inactive. So in, in that sense, at least, Chris Wormley is ahead of the curve. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, now it's, now it's the fun part. Here's where we get to start spending some money, and these are the guys who are expensive in the books. As so, we go to the veterans playing for market category. Right, the veterans playing for market value. So we'll get, we've got, uh, let's see, about eight guys in that category in defense, which is good if you have eight guys playing at their market value, but that's Brandon Carr, Anthony Levine, C.J. Mosley. Now, C.J. Mosley is a special case because he's technically still on his rookie deal, but I put him in here because next year he'll be on it. First of all, he made first-round money, which is big, so he's making about $5 million this year, if I recall. Next year, the Ravens have already picked up his option, which means he's going to go up $9, $10 million, whatever it is, and then thereafter they're going to sign him, and he's going to make enormous money, so he might make... Um, you know, ten, eleven million dollars a year over the, uh, in average money over his contract. So he's got a a, a big contract coming, and and he's earning good money now. So I put him in this market value case. All right. The so so C.J. Mosley, he was drafted to be the the future of this these linebacker uh, leadership there to fill in for Ray Lewis eventually for Suggs, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's definitely the tackler that you want. He's had some problems in coverage this year. hasn't been as good as he had been in the pat in last year in particular. But uh, they still make some amazing plays. Every once in a while, he'll just do something that's really special. And, and you say, yeah, you know, there's not that many athletes who can do that. And so when they fill in, I think, especially the second inside linebacker position with a really productive player like they had when Orr was there, I think we'll get an elevation of Mosley's game. Okay. But let me go through the rest of the list here because we want to want to hit on yeah, each of these. That's of three of them. Jimmy Smith is the fourth, playing at an all-pro level this year. And... Uh, even though he's making an absolute ton of money, it might be 11, 12 million this year, he's uh, uh, certainly earning that money, playing two thirds of the snaps or whatever he's playing. Um, Terrell Suggs in that group is the fifth, still playing very well. Brent Urban is now in this group. Now, again, a special case. Brent Urban's is in year four. Uh, he's not earning that much money this year, but also he's played his last snap at his rookie contract already because he's hurt for, and out for the year. So this is kind of a projection for Brent Urban of if he stays around, he's going to have a market value contract. Now that'll be lower than it would have otherwise been because he's coming off a Liz Frank injury and it will probably impact his production next year. So what I'm hoping is the Ravens can consign him to a relatively inexpensive incentive-laden two-year deal, and then he can reestablish himself for a uh, for a free agent contract after that's done. I hope that's the way it'll work. Um, uh, you know, maybe there, there's some other way to work with option years as well that could uh, work for both Urban and the Ravens. So uh, I, I'm excited. I'll be excited to get him back. He, he's an extremely good player when he's on the field this year. Very happy with his production, and he'd certainly be, be in the producer group right now, the top group, if he was uh, still healthy. Last couple of guys on the list, Lardarius Webb, who would have been on the veteran cap, cap value concern last year, but this year at a reduced contract, I think he's priced right. 
And he's had some problems in coverage, but he brings a lot of flexibility to the Ravens, including the ability to go to the back end, which I hope they'll use in the second half. And then the last guy is Brandon Williams. New contract, playing up to it. Happy with his production as well, of course. All right. Um, questions, uh, or at least one question for this group, is you already mentioned that the long-term plan, the Ravens want to sign C.J. Mosley long-term. That means they're going to have to open up some money. Is this Suggs last year? Well, I, I feel like we've been asking this every year for the past three years. Uh, at some point, it is his last year. Is it this it, one? Yeah, at some point it is. I, I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, really, you look at it, the, the Zedaria Smith situation is unsettled. The Ravens don't know exactly what they have with Bowser and Tim Williams. Tim Williams would be a guy to replace him at the rush linebacker. But honestly, the Ravens are short and outside linebacker who can stop the run. And Suggs is the guy. I mean, he's by far their best run stopper among their outside linebackers. And setting the edge is such a big part of the Ravens playing good run defense. It's hard for me to imagine they'll let him go in a year where he has five and a half sacks. He's doing a decent job as far as pressure goes and still playing the run pretty well. All right, so no need to force him out. Of course, we never know. As we find out every offseason, more guys are retiring younger. You never know what the player is going to do. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm having a hard time believing that Suggs will really want to retire after a good year like this. I think it could be true that the next injury is his last. But, uh, but it's, it's one of these things where it just I, he seems to have too much fun still playing the game. I mean, you know, I see him run out in that Bane mask for, before the Steelers game. Right. I mean, this kind of stuff is just it's, it's fun. It's funny to him. I mean, just, it's almost like for some people, you watch, a, watch Suggs at practice. He's, he's hilarious. He says something. He's, he's got a voice that projects all over the field. I mean, just he's, he's clearly loving it. So, sure. anyway. He's already got his ring, so he's definitely just playing uh, for fun. I'm sure if the, if the Ravens pre, uh, offseason looks like they're going to be good and dominant and fight again next year, that's more motivation to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. I, I think one of the other questions is, is, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, a lot of people would, would, with inferiority complexes about the Ravens getting in or feeling like everybody is against the Ravens somehow, would say he's not, but it's ridiculous. Any, anybody who's, who's been watching football the last 20 years understands what Terrell has done against the run in addition to his very significant sack total, the playoff sack record, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's, he is exceptional. He's, I think he's one behind McGinnis right now for the playoff sack record. So that's one reason it'd be nice for the Ravens to get the back door this year for him to hopefully pick up that sack and get the record. But uh, in any case, he's in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's just uh, it's not even a question. First ballot might be. I know. You're, you're a Suggs guy. And there is a, a, uh, there is a group of the Ravens defense that, that keeps uh, that Hall of Fame door swinging open for Ravens every few years. And Suggs mm -hmm. seems to be on that list to be Maybe the next. Um, if you speaking of Hall of Fame, I don't know if we've had this discussion, but what about Ed Reed? Is I he, mean, he's in as soon as he's eligible. Right. That will be in. Is, you think he's a, a lock as well? Even though yes, absolute lock, first ballot Hall of Famer in twenty nineteen. All right, absolute lock because he's kind of changed that position. You think and the players yeah, looked if, up to him as as he's every every. It seems like every cornerback you talk to now. Their their idol growing up was Ed Reed. That's that's true, and that's something I think you've seen some of the respect Brady's had. I did a little study recently. He's 
in terms of adjusted interceptions, so this is adjusting all interceptions to the to the number of the era. Reed had forty percent more interceptions than the second highest per game. That's crazy. Yeah, I, so I, it's I, I forgot until you brought that up about the Tom Brady stuff and Tom Brady being yes. so scared of Ed Reed. That that was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, it was it was fine twenty on every play wrote on his wristband. Right, right. Yeah. Um, all right. Now time for the not-so-fun, the guys with, that we should be concerned about, the veteran right, cap value concerns. Yeah, and unfortunately, they're both at one position for the Ravens. So if, you haven't, if you've been figuring out what names and crossing off the defense, you know it's Tony Jefferson and Eric Weddle. And here's the thing about both these guys. I think there's a usage issue potentially with both of them. Like Pease overvalued perhaps the flexibility of being able to bring either Weddle or Jefferson up into the box and said, well, I'm not going to tell you what we're doing. We could have either of these guys come up and either of them are capable of playing single high safety as well. Well, the truth of the matter is Weddle at this point is not as good a tackler as he used to be. And Jefferson is not really good at coverage on the back end. It's just not his specialty. And I saw more of this in just this last week. Uh, against the Titans was Weddle did a really good job of getting over into bracket coverage. And that's how he got the interception when he did. But he was in bracket coverage on another play where uh, uh, the guy made a drop on the sideline. Uh, Matthews made a drop on the sideline. You know, there's just been more bracket coverage plays for him this year. But when he's been up close to the line of scrimmage, he's getting wiped out by bigger men. He got wiped out by a wide receiver once against Pittsburgh who was just embarrassing looking. And he, of course, had the big missed tackle against Chicago that cost him the ball game. So, you know, I think usage is an issue. Playing Weddle exclusively on the back end makes sense. And he's also on, you, you could charitably say he's on the back nine, but he's really on about the 17th hole right now of his career. And uh, I think the Ravens are going to need to draft a playmaking safety if they can. And it's one of the players, one of the positions where I would consider the number one pick going because playmaking safeties are among that group of players that if you don't get somebody in the first or second round or for first round, usually that you don't have uh, okay. the top level of talent. All right. So that's a guy you don't see that replacement in house. It's something we, we got to try to draft. Oh, I think, yeah, I don't think there's anybody in house that would that plays the back end currently right now. And so both those guys, by the way, I want to say, they both played so much better last year. It's hard for me to really feel like they've they've truly dropped to the level they're playing this year. So I think the real answer is somewhere in between. And probably with some modified usage, you get a lot more out of Jefferson. You get a better, you get a better, more consistent level of play out of Weddle on the back end. I think both of them improve. All right. Uh, speaking of the back end, let's get to the guys who might <laughs> might get cut before this podcast comes out. Your tra- your nicely worded transitional category. Uh, I mean, I, if if I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Boykin has already gained twenty five pounds since the Ravens put him on IR. There's no way that guy's playing again. So <laughs> maybe he's right. been Boykin's he, out. He's he's been on and off various IRs now for the last few years. Just can't stay healthy with a degenerative uh, problem he's had with his hip. So you think the Ravens have learned with with Pitta, but apparently not. You know, it seems a little insensitive to make that remark, but uh, but Boykin apparently has one leg that is not exactly the same size as the other, and that's caused him some hip problems. Um, and he's been a player when he has been able to play; he's been very good, but he hasn't played in a while now. And and I can't imagine that his career is anything but over at this point. Um, the other players on the list, 
We'll go through them in, in kind of the order I want to. Steve Johnson and Albert McClellan, both linebackers. Steven Johnson is a, uh, you know, he's been around the league for a few years, a veteran brought in as a stopgap player. He won't be around uh, next year. Uh, Albert McClellan will be coming back in, off an injury at 32. Great leader on special teams. The Ravens could probably make him a special teams coach or a linebackers coach, maybe keep him around. But at 32, I'm kind of doubting his ability to come back from an injury and be the kind of impact, even special teams player that he was. And right. a, a, a lot of the value the Ravens were getting out of him was in stopping the run on the edge. So if, if they could bring him back just to do that, it might be might be of value. So anyway, I'd love for him to come back, but I, but I really doubt that he will. And uh, the highest McClellan can go at his current level, by the way, is the veteran uh, playing for a market value group. He can't get up into the first group. The last one, the last two, are two other linebackers. Bam Bradley got hurt early in the year, and that was a loss for the Ravens. Uh, for one thing, he's a good special teams player, but more importantly, he was the right size and shape to move in and take over the inside linebacker spot from either Correa or um, uh, Patrick Owasu. And uh, he, he, that chance was eliminated when he got hurt in week, whatever it was, it was two or three, very early in the season. And um, that, uh, you know, something that'll hurt the Ravens because they don't know what they have with Bam. When he comes back, I think it's unlikely that he'll be able to compete at the same level. That he will probably have an opportunity, but the Ravens will also probably draft somebody. So it's going to be harder for him to make the roster next year. Last name. Yep. That I have not mentioned so far is Kemalai Correa, and I've put I had to put the transitional tag on him, and normally that would mean he's going to make a lot of money next year because the transitional tag is one below the franchise tag, but in his case it means I'm afraid I don't know what future he has with the Ravens. He's poised to finish now his second season as just a core special teams player who has failed now at each of his first two positions, outside linebacker and inside linebacker. So time is really running out for him, and it's not clear to me where or if his next opportunity will come. All right, so running out of time. <laughs> put you right on the transitional. You haven't, you haven't developed, you haven't shown what you were supposed to. That, that's right. You know, maybe a similar player would be Arthur Brown from a few years ago that uh, that you know the Ravens finally gave up on him before his fourth season. Tavares Gooden was a similar player at inside linebacker the Ravens gave up on before his fourth season. Correa may hang around. For, he's playing more snaps than anybody on special teams now. So he's playing on all the units, playing a wing on the on the field goal team, I believe, in addition to all the other units. Uh, so it's he has value in that respect, but you're paying him two million dollars a year as a second round draft pick for that, and that's a little bit much. Gotcha. Sure, um, I can understand that. All right, I've got one mailbag question for you for today. All right, let's as do it. As we're going through the defense, we're going to get this one in as well. And this comes from Ola Dinikin 4. I think I pronounced okay. that right. It's a Twitter handle, so who knows. Who do you think will get the slot cornerback job next year when Tavon Young is healthy? Hill, Young, or Kennedy? Okay, see, I love that kind of question because it's not, I'm giving up on the world. Why haven't the Ravens done this? Why, you know, shouldn't we give up on everything? It's not a loaded question. We're winning winning the Super Bowl next year. So so it's three great choices, Ola. Three great choices there. uh, That uh, Tavon Young is, to my mind, the guy who will have the job. I think he's done the most with the position. Jalen Hill looks to me to be the backup because he's got the appropriate size for it. I think Kennedy will be moved back to the outside, and barring that, 
Kennedy is also a really good free safety candidate. He's the only other one besides Weddle on the roster. So, well, I guess they could they could use Webb in that role as well. But but to me, Kennedy would be a guy you could play on the back end. He has some experience playing safety, and it would be a good use of his ball skills as well. So uh, that's the way I think it'll shake out. I do not see Kennedy playing in the slot. And we talked a little bit about this on the last show, but Kennedy was a good size and shape matchup for Decker. One of the other mailbag uh, questions got at that. And, uh, uh, you know, it was something that I think uh, we've seen for one week, but I don't know that necessarily means we see every week. All right. All right, Ken. Well, the Ravens had this week off, but you did not have this week off. You've been still writing for Russell Street Report. What can people going over there and read this week? So love for you to come over and read the articles. We talk about a lot of this, but but there's a lot of other articles and podcasts that Josh and I have done in the past. Love for you to take a look at uh, at some of those things. And uh, that's on Russell Street Report. Look for Film Study Ravens if you want to look that way. Uh, if you want to hit, follow me on Twitter, it's at Film Study Ravens. Great discussion all day long. I have my tweet deck up when I'm writing or or whatever I'm doing during the day. So if if uh, if I see your question, I'll try and answer it quickly. And uh, love the interaction there. How about you, Josh? Where, where are you, what are you doing? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka to see my pictures from my vacation. I assume I'll put a couple up there. <laughs> but uh, you should go on over and check out Section 336, who I believe this week we'll have this really uh, smart guy that breaks down the Ravens and uh, is going to help us get through the bye week as some uh, looking back and kind of looking ahead to what we can truly take from this Ravens season. And uh, I believe you're joining us this week, Ken. Love to. So, all right. Well, we'll be back in just a couple days when we get to do the same thing with the offense. Sounds good, Josh. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.